Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, ArmorAll, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on ArmorAll products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at ArmorAll.com. ArmorAll, less work, more clean. Terms apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a world. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. It's the Autosport Podcast. We review the Bahrain Grand Prix, a race that should have been won by Charles Leclerc, but was won by Lewis Hamilton. What a Bahrain Grand Prix we enjoyed. A race that should have been won by Charles Leclerc was won by Lewis Hamilton. We had Sebastian Vettel spinning in battle with Hamilton. A 1-2 for Mercedes. A real race of surprises. Real great battles all the way through the field. So plenty for us to talk about at, what are we, 1.20 in the morning here in Bahrain. Back from the paddock all looking a little bit, a little bit worse for wear. But ultimately all very excited to talk about a dramatic race. And joined first by Ben Anderson. Not clutching your trophy. No, my karting trophy uh, is in my luggage, waiting to come back to me, much to the delight of my wife, who will be grimacing as I try to find a location amongst all my other trophies in which to slot this uh, media karting success. It's a classic problem, isn't it? Lewis Hamilton must have that problem. Where do I put all these trophies? Well, absolutely, yeah. I wonder if he has a, a, an annex built, because he has very many more uh, trophies, both in number and in uh, luster than I do. Exactly, exactly. Well, my other guest is James Roberts. No trophies this weekend, sadly. Good evening, Straw. It's a delight to be back on the Autosport podcast. No trophies. I haven't won anything this weekend. Well, you can win the podcast with your 
insight and entertaining dulcet tones. tones. Yes, that, that's the hope. Well, I look forward. <laughs> <laughs> this is the best we can manage at one twenty in the morning. But uh, yes, we shall. Uh, we shall crack on. So we've got to start with Charles Leclerc. Dominant. He was fastest in two of the three practice sessions. Fastest in all three segments of qualifying. He dominated the race ultimately, despite the fact he dropped back to third on the first lap. Ben, this this was Leclerc's day, even though his engine dropped a cylinder and he only finished third. Yeah, absolutely. He was utterly mega this weekend, and I think it's it was interesting to see uh, Lewis Hamilton's reaction after the race. Um, well, even in the race, you know, he waved apologetically when he finally overtook. Leclerc because his car limped home um, some nine laps from the finish and he was saying in the in the, the green room where the drivers cool off slightly after the race um, you know you've got a great future ahead of you you drove fantastically he reiterated this in the press conference how impressed he was with Leclerc's performance how he was an outlier all weekend not just for the rest of the field but his own teammate four-time world champion no less Leclerc was the quickest man in Ferrari Okay, not one session, but over the balance of the weekend. And I think what was really, really impressive about the race, Leclerc fluffed the start, Vettel hooked it up brilliantly, got into the lead. Leclerc was shuffled back um, almost to fourth. He only just really held on ahead of Lewis uh, going into turn eight, the the first hairpin, if you like. Bit of contact. Bit of contact, yeah, as Lewis backed out, realising he wasn't going to get around the outside or be able to cut back underneath Leclerc. And... For a guy so inexperienced, new in at Ferrari, it would have been very easy for that race to just completely unravel. We've seen it with drivers many times in the past. You know, they've got this their first pole, massive chance to win a race. They fluff the start and then that's it. They don't really recover. They might finish on the podium or they get shuffled back altogether. But Leclerc rebounded after he settled down half a lap in. He came back straight away at Bottas, repassed him into turn one, made short work of uh, catching his teammate, Immediately pressure on the radio, I'm quicker, guys. And the next thing you know, he's passed Vettel, um, not needing any help, not needing to be let through. He was just quicker, able to force his way past with the help of DRS, of course. which was about a, 30 kilometres an hour advantage it gave him, but even so. Yeah, played a big part in the race today and made it much more exciting, actually, for those who criticised DRS. I think it brought the race alive. Three zones, of course, this weekend. Yeah, the one extra one added between turns three and four. Uh, and Leclerc just reasserted himself, basically. He didn't panic didn't lose his cool, kept calm, knew he had the pace in him and the car and then just uh, drove off into the distance until, unfortunately, uh, the, the engine problem struck. Just to put a few numbers on it, in qualifying it was three tenths, I think it was 0.294 uh, Leclerc's advantage over Vettel and while Vettel only had one run in Q3 because he had to burn up an extra set of softs earlier in qualifying because Daniel Ricciardo held him up on one run, Leclerc was still faster and then that phase after he passed Vettel, the six laps complete laps after he passed him he was 0.363 lap seconds per lap faster than that yeah, he, pulled, he, he broke the away. DRS with ease so he, he was emphatically quick enough uh, yeah, emphatically. James Roberts I remember being at Monza in 2008 when Vettel won for Toro Rosso from Paul that sensational win and that was one of those wins that felt like a really kind of big day the, the kind of the, the making of a, of a star someone we knew was great but the, the start of something really big and during the race today even though this 
results not there, the history books say third place. It felt a bit like that for Leclerc. This was a big statement, wasn't it? Oh, it was a huge statement. And I, I just can't believe he didn't do it. Um, it. It was just so sad, wasn't it? When you heard on, on the radio transmission, when he said panically in his voice, what's happening? Feeling that loss of power and suddenly slipping down. And, and, and then you hoped, could he keep going a bit like Ricciardo did in, in Monaco last year? Yeah, it would have been a huge statement. I, I, I bumped into television's David Croft on the tr- way into the track this morning and he said I can't I can't see um, anyone other than Vettel winning this race and, and everyone thought team orders were going to be at play well, didn't they I think exactly. in, in the kind of wider world you know they've been talking about no battling and being exactly. sensible backing Vettel in the championship he's the number one and if he just when he nailed the start you thought oh well that's it Leclerc that's won't it. have a chance to come back and when he then started um, uh, uh, attacking Vettel in those in those early laps and then went for a move I couldn't believe it it was an extraordinary moment uh, so I felt um, I felt really sad for him and and then just just on the grid, uh, I saw him chatting to uh, to broadcasters, and he just looked so cool, calm, and relaxed, and just belied the the age of the years, and um, comfortably pulling out as you as you were talking about Ben, and like he's he's been doing it for years. And then in the paddock this evening, about three hours after the uh, the checkered flag had fallen, and he's gone through his despondency, there were some stragglers in the paddock just asking for photos and selfies, and he stopped and 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 smiled at the camera for them so it's a real i mean he's he's got he's he's a great character isn't he and i think um uh despite the the sadness of the day uh he's 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 we've seen a new star yeah he's proven he's the real deal hasn't he um people were talking about leclerc um f1 paddock insiders this is before he was in f1 on his rise through the junior ranks and i remember eric boulier saying to me this is the next kid to watch you know he at the time we were getting swept up in Max Verstappen fever and how he was coming into F1 and revolutionising things and, you know, just mixing everything up. And people were saying Leclerc's the next guy. He's going to be the one who's going to be very similar on that kind of level straight away. And he's proving that to be reality, I think. You know, he's a guy that belongs at the front of the grid. He's he's embarrassed Vettel this weekend, I think. You know, Vettel's a guy with so many championships behind him, so much experience, so much more experience in that team the most successful team in Formula 1 history, one of the, the greatest, if not the greatest. Not an easy environment to go into as a young driver. They're not used to promoting someone so young into that kind of top seat. And he's just come in and looked like, as you say, Jimmy, he's been doing it for years. Um, I think also, having lost out on a first win cruelly, he said in the press conference he's kind of got mixed feelings because, yeah, of course, it's incredibly disappointing, bitterly disappointing to lose you know, what he's been building towards his dream since a child. But it's also his first F1 podium. You know, his previous best result was, you might be able to confirm this, Ed, it was not not even a top six. Did he get, manage to get a sixth for Sauber last oh, he year? he had a sixth last year, didn't he? Yeah, I think he had a sixth. I can't remember. It's six or I mean, seven. You know, so fifth, well, fifth in Melbourne was his best result yeah, yeah. until now. So, yeah, he, he, I guess, you know, every sportsman has to try and find the positives to help cope with bad days and you know the big positive for him is not only getting his first F1 podium but also making an emphatic statement that he is undoubtedly one of the best drivers on the current grid but incredibly he lucked into that podium because of the late appearance of the safety car after the two Renaults stopped um, 
almost inexplicably together uh, at, at turn one, a, a couple of laps from the end. So that, that prevented Max Verstappen from charging and passing him, which he would have done, wouldn't he? Yeah, sure. very, very much so. It was uh, He wouldn't have dropped any further because Vettel was too far back in. So it would have been a personal best fourth. <laughs> without the safety exactly but, but the amazing thing Positives. is that if, if you're if you're in Leclerc's position you know he wants to assert himself over Sebastian Vettel we know that and coming into the season everyone was asking well he's the young upstart it's a classic scenario isn't it it's the it's the established top gun the old stager and suddenly this young guy comes in and so there was this first question hanging over Vettel was can he handle Leclerc couldn't this weekend the other big question of course was could he undo the or, or end that spiral he got into last season when he was making mistakes in battle and of course Vettel spun while battling with with Lewis Hamilton because Vettel should have been the one to inherit that win they Ferrari should have been running one two one car has the problem the other car wins they they were comfortably the quicker car uh, over the weekend Mercedes reckoned that they were gaining almost half a second on the straights even though Mercedes reckoned they were also quicker in most of the corners Ferrari maybe slight edge in some of the very quickest corners at the circuit so this is this is very good, really, for for Leclerc because he'll be looking at it and thinking, "Well, I've proved my point. I've shown I can do it." And already Vettel is on that little shaky slope psychologically, where he could get into that situation where he's thinking, "Oh, I made mistakes." It's almost now inconceivable that Vettel in wheel to wheel combat with Hamilton will do anything other than lose out because Hamilton's just got it over him now. Well, uh, Sebastian was asked, is he under pressure um, at a press conference I went to after the, after the race? And he said, no, 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 I'm under no pressure. Obviously, he would say that. But he said um, he, was, uh, <laughs> he was just fighting for his position. And he said, uh, surprisingly, just the rear just, just turned around on him straight away. And, of course, doing the damage braking is, is what caused the flat spots, which caused the vibrations for his wing to fall off. But... Um, Interestingly, uh, on the spin, you know, at the time watching it, you thought, ah, oh, you know, another Vettel mistake in battle, another silly, unnecessary spin, trying to do the corner too tight. You know, we've seen it before, as you say, Ed. You know, with Hamilton again, another psychological blow. And I, you know, I described, it, I think, in my uh, immediate post-race web report as inexplicable. But of course, we had huge gusts of wind around the circuit before the start of the race and during the race, and I spoke to. George Russell um, afterwards and he said he'd never known okay he's not been in Formula 1 for more than a couple of races but he said in his racing career he'd not seen conditions that extreme that his car was blowing from side to side on the straights Uh, so he said it shows how high the level of Formula 1 is that more drivers weren't having huge moments and big crashes in that race and he said I can understand that Vettel spun at turn four because there it was particularly bad there was a tailwind or race I think Vettel referenced that actually in his post-race briefing uh, but, so but, but he did also he, he did also not, not take I, the chance to have that as an out didn't of he? course yeah I'm not absolving him of his responsibility but I am saying that the conditions were particularly tricky so when you're in that position where you're balancing the car on the knife edge and trying to you know, to fight back, there there was much more jeopardy there than there might have been under normal conditions. Well, it's, it is phenomenally difficult. Vettel is a fantastic driver, let's make no mistake. Just he's under a little bit of pressure, there's a little possibly weakness there. Doesn't mean he's not a not a great driver. And I think it's it's just all part of this wider landscape, isn't it? You think back to the times where you've had the, the great 
the great scenarios with the the upstart driver and the established Top Gun. Thinking Prost and Senna at McLaren is probably the one that instantly leaps to mind. Mm. And uh, Prost and Lauda. Prost and Lauda before, yeah. And, and all the time you, you Lewis get... Lewis and Fernando. Exactly, yeah. All the time you get these cycles. That, and it's always tantalising when you get... Because you, you consistently get this. It's what we didn't quite get with Michael Schumacher and Ayrton Senna. We got a little hint of it, but it never quite played out because of, of the tragedy of Imola. But it's just fantastic because you know this is going to be a significant thing. When people look back at the careers of Vettel and Leclerc, this is going to be a defining season in terms of whether Leclerc can, can continue this. It's only one race weekend after all, and, and Australia wasn't a brilliant one for him by his own admission. Now, he's got to sustain it, but you might be looking back and say, well, this is when this happened. Or you could say, well, Leclerc came in, drove really well, but Vettel, the great champion that he is, dug deep and kept raising his game, because that's what you sometimes see. I guess it's like... And, and he could still do that. It's, he could, it's he only, could still, we're only yeah, two races in, but I think exactly. the, the most extraordinary thing is just how quick Leclerc has got on the case. You know, I, I felt, you know, before the start of the season, we expect big things from Leclerc and he will, you know, as the season goes on, get stronger, as he gets more comfortable in the team. He's bound to win races if the car is good enough. And of course, it looked more than good enough in pre-season testing. But I didn't think by race two, we would see him smash Vettel out of the park in pretty much every session, qualifying pole with a clear margin and have such an underlying pace advantage in his own car that he could re- could recover from such a poor start and just breeze past his teammate to reclaim the lead. Like, that's such an impressive performance. And it was just... Con- t- considering the cars are nominally identical. And just to touch on what you were saying earlier about the fact that many drivers would have wilted in that situation, that was what really impressed me. He had a bit of wheel spin off the start, so he lost that position to, to Vettel and then lost the position to... to uh, Bottas, Bottas, and he almost lost the position to Hamilton. And a lot of drivers would have just uh, let their heads drop. Or, but Leclerc, that to me, says he knew... That is like yeah, iron that, solid self belief. That's, that's annoying, it? but I've got this, and he just went through. And even the pass on Vettel, it was really well executed. You know, he knew he could carry the speed on 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 the brakes and and take the outside line. And of course, if you look at it, Vettel had, had dropped just behind by the time they got to the DRS detection line. So that's the line where they compare the position and speed and and gap the cars to decide if you get the next DRS zone. So actually, Vettel had the DRS zone on the run to turn four and attacked up up, up the outside, Leclerc defended, and, and he covered mm. that quite well. We did see people doing that, because that's that's actually, I think, the benefit of the extra of having the extra DRS zone. It forces it, the car ahead to defend, doesn't exactly. it? Exactly. It, it made kind of those two bit, that, that two-part battle yeah. under DRS. But it, again, Leclerc covered it, and, and off he went. Lando used that in his battle with Kimi. He, he got DRS on the main start, finish straight, rounded turn one, and then backed off slightly as Kimi came up alongside him and then they used it again to get DRS into turn four so he had a double bow oh no he, he used DRS to keep ahead of Kimi that was the clever uh, thing that he did um, in that in that scenario so yeah, I quite like that extra DRS and I thought it it, it, it was um, livening things up didn't yeah, it? It, it introduced did. extra tactical play which yeah, is what exactly. you want to see you know, th- yeah, th- yeah. that race was very exciting one of the most exciting Bahrain Grand Prix we've seen certainly uh, since 2014 there were huge amounts of uh, amount of things happening um, and we we should say obviously in general terms this weekend we saw something more akin to what we saw in testing with Mercedes being behind and Ferrari having the advantage there's lots of talk about Ferrari's all sorts of troubles in, in Australia wasn't representative but then they, they're stronger here on a normal track Bottas said yeah on Saturday yeah this is pro- perhaps a more normal track and this is maybe more more what we expected and what, what we're facing now. Obviously, every track has different characteristics. 
Australia is always an outlier. Bahrain is a, is a slightly more orthodox track, although it's not the, it's not bang in the middle of the spectrum by any stretch of the imagination. But it does expose the strengths and weaknesses of various cars quite well, doesn't it? Exactly. You were talking yeah. about this earlier in the weekend, Ed. And if your underlying car is sorry, if your underlying pace is strong, then normally that does show up here and that that will be the massive relief for ferrari after the the question marks that melbourne pose yeah it shows that shows there in the game but it meant mercedes weren't now mercedes came out of this with a one two which is a great result considering lewis hamilton first valtteri bottas second now lewis hamilton's performance yes he inherited the win but actually if you look at it in isolation mm. he had the second fastest car so there was no way he was going to beat leclerc he couldn't beat leclerc it wasn't it wasn't possible with how well he was driving in the pace of the car and he shouldn't have been able to beat Vettel, but he did. And the fact that he managed to force the issue, make the move, obviously he, he, he didn't gain the track position the second, the second round of pit stops as he did at the first, but he did that great little surge after those second round of stops. He forced Ferrari to, to, to react, didn't to he? Pass, to pass Vettel, and then Vettel had his spin. And this was Hamilton, again, as we saw at Monza last year, we saw at mm. Sochi when he passed Vettel. It was him changing the game. And Hamilton put himself in the position to benefit and win a race that he shouldn't have done. He really needed two Ferraris to ex- to expire or semi-expire, <laughs> shall we say, as, a, as Leclerc did, in order to win the race. But because of what he could do, because he's so good in battle, because he could just be aggressive when he needed to and force the error, he changed it. That that was what he did. And I think that was a really good job. I think Leclerc and Hamilton, both very high, high-class drives today. I agree. Passed Bottas, didn't he? In the uh, so at the start, he was out Fox slightly, um, was fourth position. But as soon as Leclerc passed, that was that was his Lewis's chance to also get past his teammate. And I think after Australia, made it stick, didn't he? Said take that, and Valtteri gave him very little room. But um, it, that was also an- another key defining moment in that race. I think it's another example of what we've seen more recently from Lewis Hamilton: this ability to maximise a poor weekend. And he was saying after qualifying, oh, this is not really one of my strongest tracks. Now, he, he struggled in the past against Nico Rosberg and the smooth track surface, heavy braking demands. Lewis is good under braking, we know, but maybe he doesn't quite get the same feel that he does on other circuits here. He said it's not a great circuit for Mercedes. I'm not sure if that's true, but nevertheless, he was saying after qualifying, you know, we're not in great shape, but he looked really relaxed and he felt very positive to be so close to Vettel's qualifying time in Q3, although Vettel only had one run. So you kind of got the sense that, yeah, Lewis Lewis sniffs the chance to beat Vettel if this is Vettel's maximum pace and he hasn't got anything left in the tank had he been able to do a second run. And, of course, that was proven out in the race. Lewis just went for it, super aggressive, aggressive on the strategy, went for another set of softs at his first stop, just went went hard put Ferrari under pressure, put Vettel under pressure, and they cracked. And that will only surge uh, confidence through Lewis. We've seen it in the past, and the more it happens, the more you feel that really he's got Vettel's number. And do you know the bit I loved about Lewis today was that move on Vettel he did? And afterwards he said, uh, did you see the, the way the flag was flying on top of the tower? So it's clearly something he was aware of. And he said, it was going, it was such a headwind into turn four that I knew I could just throw it in there. So it's just those little details like that, using the environment around him and understanding what grip is going to be there. It's just classic, um, classic Lewis being aware of all the circumstances. Yeah, we saw that in Austin 2017, I think it was, when... Ferrari really needed to strike back in the the title race, and they were they were struggling a bit with the car. But Vettel had had the lead early in the race. 
but Lewis through the the snaking S's at the start of the lap he was reading the conditions really well placing his car in at different points to to maximize whatever the prevailing conditions were again it was another windy race and it's that unpredictability again isn't it you know whenever there's a a race where conditions are super variable you know normally we think of rain but wind is very important because of the aerodynamic sensitivity of formula one cars lewis just finds an extra gear he has this this sort of intuitive ability to just react to the circumstances around him and, and get the most out of them he's a great improviser a great adapter which sometimes maybe Vettel isn't. Again, a spectacularly fast driver, but sometimes when there's a lot going on, a lot of inputs, he doesn't quite come out of it in the best way. Brilliant controlling a race, but just doesn't... He needs the car to be consistent, doesn't he? Yeah, exactly, exactly, exactly. And I should say, you know, that point about the wind, I went straight out the the second the race finished and trying to grab a few drivers. Do you need to get blown away, Ed? Not quite. I'm uh, I'm quite stable and it takes quite a lot of... Sturdy. Anyway, but it was properly sort of buffety and gusty and you're trying to sort of speak to drivers and with the dictaphone that and you all you get on the dictaphone is just this sort of wind noise and everything so it was it was, it was properly look, look out properly for inaccurately transcribed quotes on uh autosport.com and motorsport.com well, I, don't, I don't know how to spell wind noise and that kind of thing it's just a, <laughs> could you a, see the wind could i see it well i could see i could see flags moving i could, I could see <laughs> sand something. sand in the eye actually i did get some sand in the eye at one stage oh. there was uh there, there was a bit a little bit blowing around it's one of one of those days but but yeah uh, I mean, I think with Hamilton, he'll be delighted to see that Vettel's got Leclerc to worry about as well. And I think that this this whole this whole setup will uh, will appeal to him. Bottas had his, his great run in Australia. Bottas was was fine in Bahrain, decent. still leading the championship though. Still isn't leading he, the championship, Bottas? of course. One but, point. But what was he? Was, lap he was Australia. about twenty two seconds behind in real terms before the safety car intervened. Yeah. So although he was within a tenth, it was well within a tenth in qualifying. Hamilton didn't improve in his second run, though, in, in Q3. Bottas was a step back uh, back in the race, although we should say this this was not one of those Bottas races we saw in the second half of last season. No, he didn't. really unraveled. He, 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 no, was, he didn't. It was, it was a perfectly decent performance. No, he so. didn't just tail off. He, he mentioned in the press conference after the race that a plastic bag got lodged in his front course, wing yeah. and it cost him some performance. And, of course, uh, that tallies with the fact that the start of his race was quite strong. You know, he was very racy. You know, this new bearded evil Bottas is, you know, quite hard in wheel-to-wheel battle, making moves stick. He was going around the outside of people at turn four. Um, and then suddenly his pace just dropped off. So that kind of explains why he went from being, you know, quite a factor in the race to being kind of nowhere. And then he said, of course, once I had nothing really to race for, no one close in front, no one close behind, he backed off, saved the engine. So he was just cruising to the finish to take what would have been fourth place, but became second mm. uh, thanks to the disasters for Ferrari. Yeah, good uh, good solid second place there. And, and just fascinating for the season, isn't it, the situation we've got there. I think we all know Leclerc's first win isn't going to be far away. and it's That's what Lewis said to him. And, and it's, exactly. And it's going to be all the more sweet because we talked about the way it happened. But almost if you have, if the engine just blows up, you have that. You have the satisfaction of the big noise in the moment, it's, and it's horrible. But this kind of slow, painful loss—it's the thing that's hard. You think like Damon Hill at the Hungaroring in '97 in the Arrows, ones like that, where it's just like not instant. It's just Dreadful. This sort of creeping dread. It's like no. Mansell Montreal '92 coming around the hairpins, slower and slower and slower. That was his own fault, though, wasn't it? To a halt. '91. Was that '91? Oh, it was '91. Nelson Piquet's last win, of course, in the, in the Benetton that that race. But yes, uh, yeah, the mixed mixed reports about exactly what caused that incident, but it may have been uh, 
electrical problem, wasn't it? But it may have been self-inflicted, I think, from uh, related to what was going on. But yeah, electrical it, twitch through the arm. Yeah, you hear various different different versions, but uh, yeah, uh, one one of those uh, famous uh, ones. Let but, me tell you exactly what happened, July. <laughs> but also, you do sometimes have drivers whose whose first win gets delayed. You think always of Damon Hill, of course, who could have won the British Grand Prix in '93 had an engine failure. Could have won the German Grand Prix. It was only a lap and a half out when he lost that, and then he did win at the Hungara Ring, and that was the first of a run of three. So it's, uh, yeah, I, I think uh, matter of time, isn't it? And a it short is, matter yeah. of time for the yeah. And it's going to be the it's going to be the first of many, and it's this will be will be an important race for him. Now, one team that was not entirely absent from the battle at the front, but not really, and it was Red Bull. Uh, Max mm. Verstappen difficult weekend for for Red Bull did come out with. Fourth place in the end would have been third had the, the safety car not saved Leclerc. Really tricky weekend for Red Bull um, after such an encouraging first race in Melbourne and that podium for Verstappen and Honda. I mean, I guess Ferrari's the swing in favour of Ferrari in terms of performance you know, makes Red Bull look worse. They didn't really take a step here, um, struggling all weekend to switch the soft tyre on, um, which hurt. Verstappen to some extent um, and hurt his teammate Pierre Gasly a lot more. Gasly had no confidence in the car all weekend, struggling with the rear, not knowing what it was going to do, unpredictable behaviour, lack of grip. Verstappen able to get into what Christian Horner has described as a very narrow window of performance of that car, um, much easier. Um, it's incumbent on the team to try and widen that performance window. I wonder if they've just misstepped slightly, having, you know, had such an encouraging performance in pre-season testing, feeling that they were kind of at Mercedes level and maybe just off the back of Ferrari. They they went aggressive, pushed to get an upgrade on the car for Melbourne that you know was originally scheduled for slightly later, I think China. Uh, and maybe they've just introduced a few too many things too soon and dropped themselves out uh, in terms of correlation slightly and Maybe they just need to revisit, crunch some numbers and try and refine that car a little bit more to to bring it back to its true level, which should be much, much closer to the top two teams. They shouldn't really be just hanging on ahead of Haas and McLaren in qualifying. So um, I think there'll be a specific problem there rather than any underlying hardcore cause, maybe similar to what we saw in 2017 when they were weak for the first four races and then corrected their aero problem and were, were much better for the rest of the season. And tough task for Pierre Gasly. James got his first point for Red Bull down in eighth, but fell in Q2. He had, his, he had those two crashes in, in testing. What, what do you make of, of Gasly? Do you think the pressure's going to be really, really building on him because he, he just couldn't hang on to the car like, uh, like Verstappen did? He was struggling with the rear stepping out when he got on the throttle. Just a really tough weekend. Yes, you know, it was bizarre what he was saying, wasn't he? He just couldn't get his... When he put his foot down, they just wouldn't wouldn't have any grip and he just couldn't get on the on the on the track i feel well a bit sorry for pierre gasly i know it's so easy and it's the intense spotlight of formula one can be so cruel within two races you're looking at where where he's qualifying and where max is qualifying and 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 saying how um how he's uh but but i think i think even christian uh admitted pre-season that it was all a bit it was all one year too early for Pierre going to to Red Bull wasn't it I think in their in their mind's eye and their plan that he was going to be at Toro Rosso for another year so I don't think we should be too hard on him to be honest 
it, it is it is difficult and the pressure will be on and, and of course results like do this like this we, we've seen with people like Roman Grosjean it, it can spiral can't it and it can affect you mentally in your form and you think is it me or is it the car but um, he has to be very careful of the spiral I think yeah. considering he had those crashes in pre-season testing yeah, and I was true. saying after that well you know that don't worry about that too much um, just reset but he's gone from two poor crashes really in pre-season testing to two poor performances at the first two races and eventually that becomes a, a you know a, a a problem in his own head if he's not careful I mean you know he's he, we know he's a quick driver and we know um you know he's a big talent with lots of potential he just has to be careful that um it just doesn't keep building from one race to the next I think once he has one one good weekend where he nails it, then I think we'll be back to back to normal Pierre Gasly. But he was very strong here last year, wasn't he? Yeah, fourth place yeah. in the Toro Rosso Honda. I mean, he's he's a very quick driver, Gasly. I wonder if his driving style slightly exacerbates the problems because he's one of those drivers who does like to be quite aggressive, get get on its nose, rotate the rear. And I think perhaps that, as you were alluding to, James, when when he was getting putting on the power and that the rear was stepping out. If you've really sort of worked the rear hard and it's still just not quite there, and then you get on the power, and it take, and it, it just and keeps it just, going, it just pushes it? it. It sort of carries on the the momentum of that that rotation. I think maybe he needs to learn a little bit from the adaptability of, of Verstappen. And I, you know, he's he's good, Gasly. So, but Verstappen is also suffering from similar problems. We should he is, say he's just, dealing, so he's just dealing with. There the is better. an underlying car problem there. Yeah, for both Gasly's, drivers, Gasly's absolutely. There's Gasly, nothing Gasly's saying that's out of kilter with what Verstappen's no, talking about. Yeah. It's just that Max is doing a better job with it. Yeah, and he has the advantage. Expect with the experience. He's got the continuous experience of the car. So, I mean, we give uh, Gasly's got uh, got plenty of time. He's got plenty of time, but uh, I think more the question it's the pressure he'll he'll put on himself as a as a result of the, yeah, that's the situation. The but you and know, the big, the big he, problem will come with. That Red Bull improves the car and he still has some of these problems exactly, or still has yeah, these exactly. bad performances until then I think as you say James we just don't be too hard on him yeah. and give him some more time but, I mean 8th place he's banked some points nice chap not, not, well. not too bad yeah, yeah good lad yeah good, uh, good absolutely yeah so that, we, should, we should rank the field by uh Order of niceness. That would be a, that would be that would be a great podcast, but I think far too controversial. We, we could rank them doing the opposite of niceness as well, as well, which well, would be you, a lot you, more fun. You get there when you get down to twentieth place. Yeah, I'm sure, we'll put plenty of different opinions on that. Well, we talked a little bit about the the kind of new generation coming through, and we did see in sixth place Lando Norris. Really impressive weekend Brilliant. for McLaren. Impressive weekend performance for for Norris. Actually, Carlos Sainz was uh, strong. We should, I guess, maybe talk about Carlos Sainz first because he had that clash with Max Verstappen. He had a, a really good start to the race. He qualified seventh. Landon Norris was tenth, and and Sainz was was really looking racy and on on for a good result. He almost, we well, briefly got ahead of Verstappen at the start, and then and then he was trying to pass him a few laps later when they had their collision. What did, what did everyone make of that collision? The stewards investigated it, but no action was taken on the grounds that no driver was wholly or predominantly at uh, wholly or predominantly at, at, at fault for it Sainz looked a little bit irritated with it but it's one of those ones he went around the outside a bit of history there though isn't yeah, yeah. there well there is yeah he um, went around the outside going around the outside he, he of Max Verstappen is never going to be easy I think especially in a car that's you know not quite as competitive as the one Max is driving um, he reckoned Max maybe nudged the curb and that just tipped him a bit wide yeah but. you know Verstappen is not going to give you you know a millimetre never mind an inch uh, in battle is he so I think science probably knew what he was getting himself into, gave it a go. You know, had he been able to cleanly or 
extra aggressively sweep round, then maybe he would have pulled it off. But if, if you're ever in a situation where you've not quite got the move done, then Max is going to come back at you. Um, ultimately, he was all a bit moot because, as Carlos said, he was suffering from a gearbox problem. He wasn't going to mm. get to the end of the race anyway. So um, It was almost better that that happened. Yeah, first, so exactly. It, yeah, it, it masked a bigger problem, effectively, um, because his, ra- his race was going to be much more disappointing had you know he run cleanly and then um, that contact spoiled his chances of a big score but he wasn't going to make it to the finish anyway but Lando Norris did get that sixth place didn't he James I mean a a really really good performance considering it didn't the race didn't go entirely smoothly for him yes you're right so McLaren had two cars in the top 10 shootout for the first time since 2017 and Lando on the opening lap I I listened to um, something he said after the race and he said he could have been a bit more aggressive into turn one but didn't want to lock up so he described in his own ways he was a bit soft into turn one and then round the sweepers suddenly we saw him they had a bit of contact somewhere and he was running over the the runoff area and by the end of lap one I think he was down in 14th place so after after a strong qualifying to fall back there but then his pace in the in the opening segment of the race was really terrific and he was making great progress through the field and uh, and in, and in one of those races when it's so easy with uh, the the pack so close together, uh, DRS zones, and it's so easy to make contact and to lose pieces. But he, he, one of the things I was very impressed with his Formula Two season last year was his was his calmness in traffic and 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 ability to overtake and not get into trouble. You'd see he wouldn't qualify quite so high in somewhere like Monza, and there'd be he would just let people slide off around him and just pick his way through. So I think he's a great, great racer. And, and, very, and if you look at it, you know, who needs like, Fernando Alonso, eh, Jimmy? <laughs> well, that's a very good point because I was just about to come on to that because it was a, a very important weekend for McLaren in Bahrain with the um, uh, the, the investment they have from from the kingdom and. Um, uh, and Fernando Alonso was here keeping a very watchful eye. And I asked Gilles... Testing next week. He's testing in... He's doing the Pirelli test next week for McLaren. And I asked Gilles de Ferran, the sporting director of McLaren, on Saturday. I said, uh, do you think there's a slight chance that Fernando might be regretting his decision? But then Fernando is not interested in qualifying sixth and seventh he just wants to be winning so yeah, well, he, exactly. he should he should be encouraged by the fact mclaren's made a good step because that at least means you know he, he'll be there if mclaren gets gets into a good shape in the next few years he'll be there ready to step back in but coming back to norris i mean it was a, a good drive got sort of a little rundown of his race here you know he passed people like magnuson giovanazzi raikkonen so he's making overtaking moves on on the track and yeah, rewarded with that, uh, rewarded with that sixth place. So yeah, he's he's doing a good job. And Science hasn't got any points this season, but he's been unfortunate in both race weekends. They've got a good strong, uh, a good strong lineup there, going really well. Actually, another driver who uh, who got their first points was uh, Alex Albon for Toro Rosso in ninth place. And Alex Albon, a driver who's been a bit of a contemporary of Leclerc's as well. And uh, in fact, Leclerc has talked up Albon as, a, as an underrated driver. In fact. So just, is George just, Russell, just, actually. Well, just about everyone who's raced against Albon. I mean, I, I, and well, Norris has a, had a poster. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 I, I was speaking Carlton to Albon on Saturday and sort of said to him, well, it, you know, it must be good to see what Leclerc's doing because he is sort of your generation and you're, 
you you almost became the forgotten man of that generation before getting this chance uh, with Toro Rosso, and he's he's seized it with both hands. Ninth place, uh, you know, a, a good a good performance for him. So Albon making quite a good impression, I think. Yeah, and, and good for Toro Rosso to rescue something from quite a scrappy weekend. You know, with the Kvyat um, tire confusion in qualifying. Albon's mistake in qualifying. They should have been in Q3, really. And yeah, with Kvyat, they, they basically got the tire number set, tire set number wrong, and he was sent out on old softs. Yeah, yeah. So um, yeah, it was a bit of a disaster, really, on Saturday. Um, on a track where the Torosos looked again a bit like last year, very competitive. Um, yeah, a, a tough race for Kvyat. Had a clash um, with Giovinazzi at Turn Eleven. Yeah, um, and a, a penalty for speeding in the pits. Um, but yeah, Albon, um, a nice mature drive and. Um, and another step in building his confidence, you know, been impressed with his attitude. Um, you know, he seems very honest, very honest with himself, um, prepared to learn from his mistakes, prepared to own his own mistakes. Um, and yeah, he seems to be driving, um, as you'd want to see somebody who's got this unexpected chance, really not, um, putting too much pressure on himself, just relaxing into it and enjoying it for what it is. And, um, it seems to be a formula that's working really well because you know he's he impressed with his uh, speed in Australia even if the whole weekend didn't come together and okay he didn't quite nail qualifying this time but a good solid race and you know your first points always make a difference I, mean, I remember Lance Stroll really struggling in his first few races as a rookie with Williams and almost to the point where he's prepared to throw the towel in and then you know, he goes to his um home race and score some points and suddenly you know was right with the world again After a horrible qualifying actually as well in, in yeah Canada, wasn't it? absolutely yeah he was really struggling in Montreal particularly under braking and you know getting nowhere near Massa and just thinking oh no this is this is awful I think on Saturday night he'd have quite happily packed up and gone home exactly yeah. well yeah exactly as I was saying and um you know shows what one race can do um and he he did say subsequently that scoring those points made a massive difference to his confidence feeling like you know oh yeah I've achieved something significant and okay, so Albert's not gone through the same rigmarole in his the early part of his Formula One career, but nevertheless, you know, don't underestimate that the boost that that result will give him for future races. And a good uh, good result for Sergio Perez, considering Racing Point were all over the place, struggling with traction, tenth place he he picks up there. And we should know actually, opportunistic again, isn't it? For opportunistic, a team that, they're all you know, they're always there. Horrible. Always pick up points, even when they're really struggling. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Horrible race for Kevin Magnussen, not necessarily from a driving perspective, just. Car pace wasn't there, and he just yeah. slumped from top ten. To, and Roman Grosjean as well. To know, yeah, yeah, yeah. poor start to the season for Grosjean, just through misfortune again. Had the uh, the clash on the on the first lap, but of course the team that should have had two cars in the points was Renault. Nico Hulkenberg had a electric, uh, electronics problem that had caused an engine man- mapping problem in qualifying that Ricardo also had in qualifying, but Hulkenberg also had a mechanical problem on top of that in Q one. So he didn't get out of Q1. Daniel Ricciardo didn't make Q3 because he had the the engine mapping problem. And then, yeah, in the race, Hulkenberg was running six. I had a fantastic drive from Hulkenberg, actually. From, he had from such good underlying pace this weekend. Oh, Probably yeah. after the clerk, the most impressive. Yeah. Oh, he was comfortable. He, he had a good few. He had two, three tenths on Ricciardo in terms of underlying yeah. fundamental pace. Yeah, which is really extraordinary, impressive. really. Yeah. And he should. And that sixth place would have been a very, very fine one from what was he down to 16th on the grid, something like that. So, yeah, yeah very, very impressive. Ricciardo was, was sort of hanging on to 10th place. He had a, his strategy hadn't quite gone quite gone to, to plan. But then... He went for the one stop, didn't he? The yeah, impossible yeah. one stop. But, um, but, but they were much stronger in the race, Renault, but just yeah. operationally just not quite together. And, you know, considering they're the works Renault team, to be having these problems with the Renault engine components 
and systems just seems baffling, really. Well, and to see two cars parking within a few hundred metres of each other. What do you make of that, James? Obviously, it was an MG UK problem for Ricardo. They're a bit more vague about the Hulkenberg problem, but it, the upshot, smoke pouring out the back. Yeah, the upshot's the same. The bit that makes the car go stop making noise. So, yeah, it's. I mean, it's this is this is a team that had to step up this season, and both weekends have been a bit iffy. The car pace isn't too bad, but not it's stunning. A, but it's a bit up and, and down. Operationally, isn't it? things aren't great and reliability. Yeah, really worrying for them. Um, yeah, I feel a bit um, a bit concerned for Renault because with the the money they should have as a manufacturer team, you should expect them to be well up there, two solid drivers, as you say, and 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 the problems Renault Renault problem for McLaren in Australia, Renault problems here. I'm, I'm talking UK I'm, in I'm particular talk, has got has got yeah. it's been tr- uh, talking troublesome part for years now, hasn't it for Renault? The long delayed MG UK. Yeah, it was funny when we saw it on the first appear on the television because we saw Hulkenberg off at turn one, and then it suddenly cut to. Uh, to Dan off at turn one. What's happened? Have they made contact again? Was the yeah, first they did thought. make contact earlier in the race because they did, made. Yeah. So it was a really interesting manoeuvre because uh, when when um, Nico got past him, he gave him really good racing room, and you watched he, he didn't he didn't cut into him at all. And then Dan locked up, didn't he, and drove his front left um, his front left wing went over the right rear went under the right rear of. Um, Nico's wheel and he said what happened I gave him room and so I think there's a there's a there's a good healthy racing rivalry uh, there but yeah the 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 two dramas so so at the end of the race so an Italian uh, colleague of mine said um did you think it was a it was a bit unnecessary to bring out the safety car but there was a red warning light wasn't there on top of Dan's car and he was told to um evacuate the car as quickly as basically means the car is live obviously yes they've had this ever since uh, Kerr's came, first came in back in, in 2009 they had to have this indication do and not touch so so he actually picked up a um, uh, the, the, the uh, stewards um, looked into the fact that he did not replace his steering wheel on the car but of course he was told to get to jump out of the car not touch it not go back so there was obviously n- no penalty but because that stricken car was there and live it was the most sensible thing to do to to call up to bring out the safety cars. I think Ricardo work. has got some real work to do to get on top of the the car. In terms of, I, th- I think he went into it with his eyes open. He's not he's not a fool, Danny Ricardo, by any stretch of imagination. He's a, he's a sharp guy. He wanted to get out of Red Bull. I think he allowed himself to really get excited about the Renault project going to a team massively on the up. I mean, it was he compared it a little bit to where Mercedes was when Hamilton went, but actually Renault's behind where. Mercedes well behind. was when uh, when Hamilton agreed to go there. Of course, Mercedes started winning in 2012 in in, in China with uh, Rosberg's win, so it was already a winning team. And I think the reality is, Ricardo spoke to him about this on Saturday and said it feels like you're almost quicker than the car is, and that he admitted he was sort of carrying a bit too much speed. And just that that stepping back is difficult because although he's been in bad F1, I mean he's, he's an HRT when he made his debut, which was right at the back, so a very poor F1 car by comparison, but. It's always been progressing, it's always progressing hasn't it? and now coming back. So I think he's he's finding it hard to adapt to it, and that's why he's ended up doing. He's going to be doing the, the test uh, this week in in Bahrain because he needs some more mileage in the car to get on top of it. I mean, he, he admitted he kind of in his in his in his brain thought, yeah, I'll jump into the Renault and I'll be really good and it'd be great. And it, it just hasn't quite been like that. He knows he's really got to work at it, particularly against a, a driver like Hulkenberg, who knows the team very well, who's very very quick and established. 
and it would love the chance to to put one over a guy who's won multiple Grand Prix. We know how good Ricardo is, but we also know how good Hulkenberg is. Yeah, and also, um, you know, a, a step back for Renault as well. You know, we expected much more from that team this season. They've got know. to be clearly fourth best. They've got to be a bit ahead of the midfield. Yeah, and they're, and they're not. They're really they're nowhere near that. And um, it's just so worrying to see all these failures on top of that I think the underlying performance of the car is pretty good mm. if they can just cut out the mistakes and have a clean weekend I think we'll see a lot more because you know the, the packages there and the drivers as we've said are, are, are very strong but you know these these problems are as Cyril Abitable said after the race in the, the Renault press release uh, frustrating and unacceptable yeah, well, from, the from a team on. with those resources think how much money Renault has invested in that the team's growing massively the stakes are really high here. This is Renault, a manufacturer team. It's got to be up there with Mercedes and Ferrari and Red Bull, not floundering around in the midfield. And surprised they went on that one stop. I thought the one stop strategy was not the one to do today. No, it, it wasn't. I don't. I don't really think they needed to either, because I was sort of tracking the progress, and there was a point where he thought, "Well, you stayed out for a long time," and I thought, "Well, actually, now Nico's in a better position than mm. you overall." But I think it. It was a bit, it just seemed a little bit... It made no sense starting on the soft tyre to do that, I didn't think. No, no, which, which uh, yeah, it, and pretty much everyone did start on the soft tyre apart from Kubica. Only I think, Kubica, so, yeah. yeah I mean, that, it I made mean, we sense did to see... try a one-stop maybe if he was yeah. starting on the harder tyre and then thinking, oh, well, then the track will evolve and I can put the softer tyre on I mean, the end and make saw, it last longer. We saw Haas try it with Magnussen, but I think that was out of desperation. In fact, that one-stop didn't didn't come off, they, they aborted. Uh, but the, the car pace was terrible for... for for Haas and, and Magnussen so yeah I, I think, that, I think that, that team needs to look very closely at what it's doing we've had two qualifying sessions it's not run either of them they, they, things have gone wrong all of them it's obviously had the double retirement here Ricardo made the misjudgment at the start in Australia Hulkenberg did bag a result in Australia a pretty good one actually he was hassling the, the, ha- the Haas of Magnussen for the front of the midfield so that was pretty good so I think it's, it's two-pronged. The car pace needs to be better and you just need that team to be sharper operationally, which we expect from Enstone. You know, there's good people there. But yeah, the, the pressure's certainly uh, piling on there. We, we, shouldn't, we haven't really talked about Alfa Romeo, Kimi Raikkonen in seventh place. You know, just, just, but he's, he's doing exactly what he's been brought in to do, hasn't he? he? He qualifies decently. He was right on the bubble in Q1, right on the bubble in Q2, but always got through. And he just drove a, a good, decent race, got passed by Norris along the way. And bank, bank solid points. So, you know, a d- d- decent job for Raikkonen. He's, he's racking up the points for them. Giovinazzi hasn't scored yet. 11th place, almost did. Um, but Well, Kimi's experience helping him out there because, you know, Alpha had a disaster in FP2 on Friday, the only representative yeah, yeah. session before qualifying. They did, I think, 16 laps between the two cars. Yeah, and six spent... laps for Raikkonen, and then Giovinazzi did four. Then he, he went back came out back out later on. I think he got to 10 in the end. Yeah, so... Know, that's not nearly enough. Both suffering with um, you know water cooling problems, unrelated to the engine, um, and you know lo- lost really important track time. Really went into qualifying almost blind. Okay, they did the daytime practice sessions, but they're not representative. And I think Raikkonen just you know with all those races behind him, just had that little bit of extra nous just squeak through in the sessions helped by other people who are obviously not having clean runs themselves and then you know if you start in the top 10 you've always got a chance of scoring points and Raikkonen does race well you know we've seen in the past when he was with Lotus in midfield cars you know he he had the 
longest unbroken stretch of point scoring consecutive races, didn't he? You know, he's he's very dependable at picking up results, even if you know in the last few seasons he's maybe lacked that last tenth or two of ultimate pace. Let's let's bring it back round to to Ferrari to to end on. We haven't talked a great deal about the problem Leclerc had. It, it sounded a bit during the race. The radio traffic suggested it was an MGUH failure, but that seems to be they, they the, the H wasn't able to be used as a result of what actually happened, which was dropped a cylinder. Yeah, Leclerc possibly uh, had to shut it down, or the team had to exactly, shut it they down could, they couldn't because use it. of the engine problem. It's one of the dangers when you don't hear all the radio traffic. You, you don't often get the full picture. So yeah, was it dropped uh, dropped a cylinder on the on the V6? How, how worrying is that for Ferrari? We don't know exactly what the cause is. They said they're still investigating it, but. You know that that's a, it could be a one off uh, one off thing, but you know obviously reliability needs to be strong for them, doesn't it? That's uh, that's not a good a good thing to be happening. Yeah, I mean the, the concern will be if that has done damage, that then means they need to introduce a new engine into the pool. Well, Bonotto um, said they would be using that engine in China, certainly for Friday practice, but they need to evaluate it. Yeah, absolutely. So you know if if it if it's just a sort of random uh, failure that hasn't done too much damage and they can just repair it and then the engine works just as well or close to as well as it did before then nothing to really be worried about but as i say if it's a if it's done some serious damage and suddenly they're behind that means grid penalties potentially later in the season which is difficult to manage when you're supposed to be fighting for the world championship you know we've seen in the past um couple of seasons Ferrari had, no, not last season but certainly 17 Ferrari had some reliability problems with the engine and that let them down in the title race they were much more solid last season so you'd hope that was behind them but you know they they've made a step this season um considering what Mercedes have been saying about the advantage being in straight line you imagine a lot of that is coming from the engine or the power unit package um so it's possible that if they've made a big step in that area that they've introduced some reliability concerns or you know they're more on the limit with reliability in theory um so i guess we just have to wait and see you know what happens as a result of that investigation and um you know as i say if the engine's back in the pool and there's no harm done then it's all fine but if another engine's on the way this early in the season then that is a problem for the clerk down the line well hopefully the uh, more details on the ferrari problem will be un- among the news that will turn up on autosport.com so do keep checking that out loads of post-race reaction on there and there'll be all sorts of stories coming during the early part of the week about goings on in formula one do check out our plus subscriber area for the world's best motorsport journalists on formula one wrc every category you can you can imagine and please check out sister titles f1 racing magazine out monthly motorsport.com and motorsport news out every wednesday and if you fancy a flutter download the pit stop betting app thanks for joining us we'll be back soon with another auto sport podcast Music is 6am by Trilo, written by Marcus Simmons. See soundcloud.com forward slash Trilo Music.
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Sports Social Podcast Network. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.